Hey guys, I'm so excited to be back with you again today. We are doing our Equipping the Saints series, and today we're going to be going over Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 19, where Paul gets to share with us why he can count it all joy, even though he finds himself in prison and going through the things that he's going through, because he can see God's sovereign hand in all of it and what's happening through him being in prison in Rome during that time. And so I pray that as we learn the word of God together and we apply it to our lives, it continues to transform us. Enjoy. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life. And I knew his word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat and I became determined to find the Jesus of scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's word and his spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Okay, we're with part two of... Uh, first chapter of Philippians. We actually ended at 11 last time. So um, I think I had up there on, we ended at 12. We actually ended at 11. So we talked about, you know, that joy is a gift from the Lord and it is afforded to every believer to have this beautiful gift of joy. And I'm actually going to do a separate teaching on how we are robbed of our joy. So I'm going to do that kind of separately because there's like 10 different ways that we're robbed of joy. And I don't want to take up the whole teaching of Philippians on that. So I'm going to do that one too. So be looking for it. So for now though, let's stick with what we're doing here in Philippians. All right, let's just go right into it. Chapter one, verse 12. All right. So the last thing he said is, Hey, I want you guys to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. What means we're living rightly or have right living before the world um that they see and they can tell by our fruit that there's something different about us about us and that's something that is different 
It is Christ who now lives in us. And we're representing him and we're representing his kingdom. So verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So he's saying, hey, yeah, I'm in prison. Um, I've been beaten, whipped, shipwrecked. I'm, you know, fasted naked. You know, I have false teachers falsifying about me. Every, you know, a lot of things have happened to me, but it's all been for my betterment. This is why Paul could find joy even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of being in prison. He understood that under God's sovereign hand, under God's power and God's ordination, that everything that we go through, everything that happens to us is going to be used for our good and his glory. And Paul's backing this up here. He says, I just want you to know, brother, the things which happened to me have actually turned out to further for the furtherance of the gospel. So he's in Rome right now in prison. But what they did was they had people assigned to him um, around the clock and they would take shifts to guard him and to watch over him. And Paul would just preach the gospel to them. So people were hearing the gospel. The gospel was being proclaimed to all the guards and in the prison palace. So, you know, um, wealthy noblemen that would have been uh, being affected, they've been hearing the gospel as well. Um, and hey, you never know. They might have even told Nero for, you know, about the gospel. Like, hey, this guy that we have in prison, like he's down here just preaching the gospel to all these people. And this is what he's telling them all about this man named Jesus who died on a cross and was resurrected like three days later and um, how he is God. And, you know, we need to repent. He has another kingdom. And I mean, he's just telling them everything. And so it could have even gone all the way to Nero. Now we have no evidence that Nero, you know, responded to the gospel or anything like that. But what Paul is saying here is whatever circumstance you find yourself in, really think about, okay, Lord, you have me here. You have me in this spot. How, what, what can I do to bring you glory in it? How can I be your hands and feet in this particular place? And I had a teaching not long ago on sometimes when we do all the right things, but we're in the, but it feels like, why is this happening to me? Like Paul was doing the right things. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was doing exactly what the Lord had told him to do. Yeah, he found himself in all kinds of perilous situations because in God's sovereignty, not only do trials and tribulations grow us, they grow our fruit, they grow our character, our integrity, they grow our perseverance, our patience, they grow us in, to look more into the image of Jesus Christ, but also it puts us in situations that we would never put ourselves in. Like, we're not, like you're not going to just put yourself in prison, you know, like on purpose, I wouldn't think. Paul, it's not that Paul loved going to prison, though he spent a lot of his time in prisons all over for preaching the gospel. I'm sure it wasn't the best part of his life. I'm sure he much rather would have been in a house church and being with his brothers and sisters and breaking bread and having communion meals and preaching the gospel and loving on people. But he found himself in prison often, but he was able to see the good in him being there. Because he goes on to say in verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So he was given this opportunity to tell them all about Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified for our, our sins, the one who rose from the dead three days later and had over, you know, had over 500 witnesses um, witness his bodily, physically resurrected person. Um, and then 
ascend up into heaven. They 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 watched the witnesses watched him go up into heaven, and so he was able to preach this beautiful gospel message. And otherwise, he may not have had a chance to preach the gospel to the, that particular group of people, or to the palace guards, or to the dignitaries in Rome. He may not have had that opportunity, but him being arrested and then using his Roman citizenship to then get him to Rome to hear so that he could be on trial in Rome gave him an opportunity to give the people who, the decision makers, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of like John Bunyan, the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Like they arrested him because he would not stop preaching the gospel. And so they put him, they put him in prison for preaching the gospel. And so what he did was while he was in prison, this is like what you can read about his biography while he was in prison, he would go into the prison yards and he would open air, like preach the gospel to the prisoners and people were getting saved and stuff. So what they did was then they put him like in way back in the prison by himself, like basically what we would call the hole today. They basically just put him and isolated him off into himself so that he wouldn't have anybody to preach the gospel to. So you know what he did? He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Which hundreds of years later, we are still reading his works, right? We're still enthralled with the Pilgrim's Progress. Movies have been made about it. Book, I don't even know how many books. I should have looked it up. How many books have been sold of the Pilgrim's Progress? It's it's read in children's form. It's read in adult form. It's got, you know, cartoons and movies and documentaries. And it has blessed so many believers and brought people to Christ still this day watching the Pilgrim's Progress. If you have not watched the Pilgrim's Progress or read the Pilgrim's Progress, I highly, highly recommend you doing that. Um, it is absolutely a beautiful story of the progress of us as pilgrims and what it's like on our, on our sanctification road and the different trials and tribulations and the things that we encounter. Um, and so here he is, he said, fine, you're not gonna let me in the prison yard to preach the gospel. You're, you're gonna, uh, first of all, okay, you're gonna put me in prison. Then you're not gonna let me preach in prison to the people. So you're gonna put me, isolate me away. I'll just write one of the number one best-selling books of all time. That's still, still this day it's blessing, um, and being used by God for his glory, uh, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so no matter where you find yourself, sister, I, it, no matter what you're going through, look for the assignments. Look for, okay, God, why do you have me here? What is, what is the purpose of all this? You know, and I think too, when we, when we know who we are and why we're here and what our purpose is, what our gifts and callings are, we're not going to be as easily distracted or as easily taken off course, if that makes sense. So I know what I'm called to do. I know why I'm here. I know who I serve. I've I've determined that I've reconciled in my mind. I've come into agreement with the word of God that I am a uh, bond servant of Jesus Christ. I am his willing slave. And I know the gifts and callings in which he's given me. And so no matter what state he has me in, no matter where he puts me, no matter where I am, I'm going to persevere and continue to pour out that gift um, as long as he allows me to, as long as he gives me breath in my lungs, a brain that can be used to do it, um, I'm going to do that. And so 
we have to come to that decision in our own lives. Like, are you truly a bond servant of Jesus Christ? You know, we read about that definition. Have you come to, to have, come, have you come into agreement that Christ is your Lord, not man, not your job, not your hobbies, not your parents or your family or any, or your kids or anybody. God is your God. He is your Lord. And have you come to agreement into agreement with what the gifts and callings are on your life personally? And then are you determined to fulfill that no matter what? Are you, no matter what? And that's where I, 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 I know that's what brings me joy. I have the gift of joy, but that's what fulfills that joy in me. That joy that Christ died to give me that joy. That's a gift from God is fully fulfilled when I am obedient to the word of God, when I am walking in the gifts and callings, which he's given me, when I am serving and, and, and pouring myself out for others, that is when that joy is made complete. And when I do not let trials and tribulations, um, control my joy or control what I'm doing. Yes, I come into these things and I've got to deal with them, but I'm still pouring myself out. Hope that makes sense. So I really pray that that's something that you begin to really look at in your own life. Um, what are you called to do? What is the assignment God has for you right now? Where, what, where are you placed in the timeline of your, of your storybook? Um, and, and to do what God's called you to do, you know, and, and do it with all that you have, do it with all that you were created to be. And you'll find that great joy. And so no matter where you find yourself in this stage of your life, pour out Christ and his love and his, um, who he is onto where, whatever, wherever God has you. Right. So he says, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See, you walking in your gifts and callings and you determining that you're going to do that, you become an example to the rest of the body. The body has become apathetic and lukewarm. And his her ears are dulled, her her eyes are dulled, she's um she's sleeping. And, and so what is one way to wake up the bride is, is by when the bride sees others stepping out in faith and saying, I am determined to follow Christ. I'm determined to pick up my cross every day and die daily to him. I'm determined to walk in my gifts and callings, no matter what, when other people see that it should spur them on and it gives them a boldness and a confidence to do what they've been called to do. Because a lot of us just get in this complacency in this place of lukewarmness, and we just are determined that that's where we're, we're gonna we're gonna be. And um, what Paul is saying here, though, is he's saying by him going to prison and continuing to preach the gospel and saying, "Hey, I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm not gonna stop." It's given some of the saints that were in his circle and in that area to say, "Well." I, you know what, if Paul's willing to go to prison and Paul's not going to stop preaching the gospel, then either are we. And so it made them more bold as a church or as a, as a body to say, we're going to continue to go. And we're, we're willing to be led to, led to the lions. If that's what it means, we're going to, we'll be willing to be crucified. If that's what it means, or get our heads cut off. 
if that if that's what it means we're going to speak the word more boldly and so i'll tell you when more christians rise up true born again believers rise up and say we're not going to tolerate false teachers and false teachings we're not going to tolerate um you know things that are going against the lord we're not going to tolerate some of these things we're going to stand up. We're going to stand united. When we start seeing other brothers and sisters say, Hey, and they, and, and then we see them getting persecuted. Like we see them going through hardships and hard times because they refuse to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should give us more boldness to say they can do it. God's with them. I can do it. God's with me. And so we together, the more we get out there, the more we stand united in truth, and the more that others see you walk in your gifts and callings, it's going to spur them on. You know, I pray that um, by my example, others are able to say, hey, she's doing it. She's walking in her gifts and callings. She's doing what she's called to do. And she's been through a lot of hard knocks, you know, and devil keeps, you know, kind of clink, clinking her over the head, you know, but she, she gets right back up and just keeps going. She gets up and keeps going because my eyes are on heaven eyes are on my savior, my Lord. And I, I so want to get there on that day of judgment and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is my goal. And I'm not going to hear that by sitting in self-pity or sitting in woe is me or staying complacent or making, um, all, or making all these trials and tribulations in Christianity cause me to sit back and say, I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of being, you know, whatever. I'm tired of this. So I'm just going to quit. No, if anything, it makes me more determined. It makes me even more like the suffer because I'm suffering with Christ and I'm suffering for Christ, if that makes sense. So it's, it's getting to the point. It's like, bring it on, bring it on. And I think that's where Paul was getting like, just bring it on. I don't care. Put me in prison, beat me, stone me, throw me over, whatever you got to do. I'm not going to quit, you know, and it just lets you know that, hey, I'm on the right track. If the devil wasn't coming so hard after me, it's probably because I'm complacent. And that's why you ever hear that saying, like the devil's not bothering you because you're not bothering him. Yeah, I think there's some truth in that. You know, if he has you complacent and lukewarm and just living your best life and whatever in the name of Christ, then he already has you. Right. But when you're when once you step out of the boat. Once you get out and say, I'm I'm determined to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. I'm determined to walk in my gifts and callings. I'm determined to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm determined to obey the word. He's He sends everything after you. And he uses people to do it, especially people you love. And circumstances that you would rather not have happen to you. Um, but like Paul and like, you know, Jesus and like uh, the early church and all the church, all the cloud of witnesses that are, that are, that are watching what we're doing that are just so like, wow, they're going, keep going. You got a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. They're cheering you on. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't get in that, that lukewarm complacent saddle, get up, get out and get going. We we've got so much work to do. Remember Jesus said, man, the harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few, you know? And he also told us the road, the road is narrow. And, and, and few are going to find it. And he said, the reason why few are going to find it is because it's a hard road. It's a, it's a road full of suffering, trials, and tribulations. Don't let these false prophets like continue to lie to you about their 
best, you know, oh, God has this great plan and he, all these wonderful things and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that was all, that's, that's what the false prophets always promise. (laughs) It's all the good, right? Truth is it's hard. Truth is persecutions, trials, and tribulations. That's the truth. If you're going to actually be the church, not just go to church, but actually be the church, expect it. Expect trials, tribulations, betrayals, um, pain, suffering, persecution. If I didn't already say that, you're, you know, Jesus said we're going to be hated. And so we have to um, come to an, just reckon our mind with it, reconcile it now, and realize I'm not going to be a band. I can't be a people pleaser. I'm just going to please God and I'm going to love people to the best of my ability. And if, it's not enough for them. It's not enough for them. And I have to keep going because my ultimate affection is for my Lord and savior. And I can't let anyone stop me from doing what I am determined and called to do as long as what I'm doing is in the biblical confines. Okay. Next. So he's leading by example. All right. And what does Paul tell us? Follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. So here we see the brethren imitating him. They're becoming more bold. So verse 15, some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. That just blows my mind, but it is true. Um, We even have people who, you know, preach the true gospel, but maybe they do it because it's a family business. Maybe they do it because um, there, there is strife within them and jealousy. And so whatever reason, we don't always know why people become pastors or start ministries or churches. We don't know. But here's one thing I do want to say. This verse has often been quoted to people when we expose false teachers. And they'll say, well, not this verse, the next two verses. I'll I'll read 16. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. Okay, so we have two different groups of people. So there's people that are truly like getting bold and they're sort of preaching the gospel. They're they're spurred on by the example that Paul made. And then there's some that were actually like jealous and they they were jealous of Paul or they didn't maybe care for Paul. We saw that in Corinthians, right? Where some were like, well, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Paul. Well, I'm of Cephas. So you could kind of see those little divisions. But yet, so what he's saying here is there's some people that were just like, preaching the gospel out of envy or strife envy or strife, but they were preaching like the true Jesus. Like they were not preaching a false gospel. Okay. And he says, and so I rejoice what then verse 18, that the, that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. There's that word rejoice again. Yes, I will rejoice. And so Paul, because there are other letters, Paul tells us, man, do have nothing to do with certain false teachers, you know, beware of the wolves in sheep's clothing. He tells us in second Corinthians about these false apostles that parade themselves as, you know, children of the light. They, they even talk like a good talk. They, they preach holiness, they preach righteousness, but they're actually uh, false apostles have nothing to do with them. They're actually Satan's agents of Satan. Um, so we're warned all through the New Testament, all through the scriptures, and even in the Old Testament about false prophets to have nothing to do with them and to warn others about them. And so when we have come against false teachers and when false teachers are called out, this is often the scriptures that people will take us to and say, oh, see, 
No, no. At least they're preaching Jesus, so leave them alone. Well, see, here's the problem. False teachers are preaching a different Jesus. They're preaching a different gospel. And what did Paul say in Galatians chapter 1, 9? They're cursed. Anybody comes to you preaching a different gospel, even an, even if I, Paul, or an angel comes, don't have anything to do with them. They're, they're cursed. And so don't be bewitched by them. So what Paul is saying here is that there were people with their motives were bad, but they were preaching the true gospel. They were preaching the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were preaching that Jesus was God. They were preaching the true gospel. And that's where the power is. The power is in the true gospel of Jesus Christ being preached, not in a false gospel. So just because people are saying the name of Jesus, there's no power in that. The only power in that is a power of deception that's going to lead people to hell. And so, no, we don't leave them alone. We do warn the people and we have nothing to do with that. Okay. Because they're, they're, they're preaching a different Jesus altogether. And that wasn't what was going on here. The reason why he was able to just rejoice is the fact that the true gospel, even though the motives might have been wrong, the true gospel was being proclaimed and people can become saved by the preaching of the true gospel of Jesus Christ even if the person preaching it is not necessarily preaching it with pure motives. And we don't always know. Even in good Orthodox uh, Bible teaching and Bible preaching places where the true gospel is preached, we don't always know why the person or the man or whoever is actually there preaching and teaching. So we don't, we all know the hearts of men. He, he clearly knew some of these people and clearly knew that they had ill intentions, but they were preaching exactly what Paul preached. And so with that, power was going out. So verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He knew he was going to be delivered from these chains. Um, I There's two different thoughts here. Some people think that because the word deliverance can be interchanged a lot of times with salvation. And so some people were thinking because of his salvation, he could rest assured that no matter what happened, he was going to be okay, whether he died, because we goes on to talk about this here in a minute, whether he died in prison, was executed and or got released. Either way, he was content because um, he knows the spirit of Christ lives in him. And so he's good. Um, so it could have meant so he could have meant either way, either he knew he was going to get out of prison and he was going to be able to go back out and preach the gospel or he knew he was going to be um executed and either way he was going to be with the Lord either way he was going to be delivered so whichever way you want to land on it either way Paul knew this he would be delivered one way or another and he was perfectly fine with that he he was again had joy and had peace in all circumstances he was content right where God had him and he used this contentment he used this opportunity to continue to preach the gospel to continue to be used for God's glory. And again, that's what we, our mindset needs to be. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review that would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, 
don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.